today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. I'm going to take care of this situation for you. You see, sometimes when we truly trust God and open up our lives to his leading in our lives, there may be some things that he calls for us to do that make absolutely no logical sense to us. I don't know if that's happened to you, but it's happened to me multiple times. And again, it just does not make logical sense. And there's way too many times in my life that I found myself saying, that doesn't make logical sense, so I think I need to do this over here. And you know what? That usually always fails. It either fails completely or it doesn't bring about the abundance of the blessing that he wants to give through complete obedience. When you live your life for Jesus and not for yourself, there may be times when God asks you to do something that makes no logical sense. When God told Joshua how to defeat Jericho, Joshua was likely scratching his head. In Pastor David's message today, he teaches how God's ways are not always our ways. Resist the urge to make a choice that makes sense and have trust in the Lord. Follow his leading and you will no doubt have victory just like the Israelites did. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Joshua chapter 5 as he continues his message, Conquering and Possessing. Down in verse 2, at that time the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourself and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. Now, they're not circumcising them twice. It's that they had not been circumcised. So you've got these guys that once they came across uh, out of Egypt, they circumcised But now that generation had died. This is a new generation. And he says, you need to circumcise these guys. So you've got some guys there that might be in their 30s, late 20s or so, and it's time to circumcise them at that point in time. And so you think, I'm getting ready for a battle. That's not really the plan that I had in mind in preparation for the battle. But this is God's plan. And God is saying, I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to take care of this situation for you. You see, sometimes when we truly trust God and open up our lives to his leading in our lives, there may be some things that he calls for us to do that make absolutely no logical sense to us. I don't know if that's happened to you, but it's happened to me multiple times. And again, it just does not make logical sense. And there's way too many times in my life that I found myself saying, that doesn't make logical sense, so I think I need to do this over here. And you know what? That usually always fails. It either fails completely, or it doesn't bring about the abundance of the blessing that he wants to give through complete obedience. Remember, repentance, obedience, faithfulness. That's where the blessings of God go. So Joshua made flint knives for himself, circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. 
And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them again, because they had not been before that. Now down in verse eight, so it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. That's a good idea. (laughs) Verse nine, then the Lord said to Joshua, this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. This day I rolled away. God is beginning that new thing in this new generation. And he says, we've got to start it out right. One of the other things that, we, that they did there is in verse 10. They kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month twilight on the plains of Jericho. They ate of the produce of the land on the day after Passover, the unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. The manna ceased on that day after they had eaten of the produce. Remember, they're on the western side now. So all the produce of the land, all those great things that the spies had brought back 40 years ago, just showing the the sweetness and and the, the abundance of that land. Now they're able to receive from it. They no longer needed the manna. Just before the night of of what Joshua was planning for the battle, he determines that he's going to go out to Jericho. In verse 13, it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua, like any soldier at this point in time, I don't recognize this man. He's got a sword. I don't know if he's friend or foe. And so he asked him a very logical question. Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or one of our adversaries? You see, Joshua, in his mindset, said, you, you, you can only be one of two things. You can either be for us or you can be against us. The amazing thing is, is God's not limited to our understanding. What is the word that he says there? He says, no, but as commander of the army of Jehovah, I have now come. So again, we understand that he is not for Israel. He's not for the enemy. They need to be for him. He is commander of the Lord's army. Now, the amazing thing about this, people look and say, well, we don't know who that individual was. Maybe he was a, one of the powerful angels. Maybe he's like Michael, the archangel. Maybe he's like Gabriel, one of the angels. Who would this be? No, look and see what took place here. Joshua fell on his face to the earth. And what does your version say there? He fell his face and worshiped. Every other place where there are angels, the angels would say, no, 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 don't, don't, don't worship me. No, get up from there. Because the angels knew, except one angel, Satan would take worship, but that's not who this is. Here, he receives the worship. So who is this one? He fell on his face, worshiped, and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandals off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. Where have we heard that before? The book of Exodus. When Moses went up to that bush that was burning and the Lord spoke through that bush. 
I, I think that what we have here is what's called a Christophany. It's a, it's a pre-presence of Christ before his physical birth. Again, we, I, I believe that Christ was the one that was speaking through the bush. I think that it was Christ who, again, was there at, with Abraham as, the, as he sat under the, the trees there. And the three men came, the two angels, to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Lord stood and spoke with Abraham. I believe that all of those are pre-incarnate presences of Christ there. And I see this right here, the very same thing happening. So again, commander of the Lord's army, Joshua, take your sandals off. And Joshua did so. And then the Lord gave Joshua, you need to go against the enemy here at Jericho. Formidable walls, absolutely. A strong army, did Jericho have? Absolutely. But there has to be a way of taking it. What's the trick, Lord? How are we gonna defeat this enemy? And the Lord comes up with this totally illogical plan. Makes absolutely no human sense at all. And so he tells them, no, what we're going to do is I want you to get seven priests with seven trumpets and we're gonna march around Jericho. We're just gonna march around Jericho. When you look at the whole plan here down in verse six, he says, take up the Ark of the Covenant. Again, the symbol of the presence of God. Let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. Proceed and march around the city. Let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. And so it was when Joshua had spoken to the people, seven priests bearing the seven ram's horns the Lord, before the Lord advanced, blowing the trumpets, the Ark of the Covenant following them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets. The rear guard came after the Ark while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people saying, this is the army and all those that went before and were following after. He says, you shall not shout or make any noise with your voice. Nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, shout, then you shall shout. Day one, you gotta visualize this. You're in Jericho. You're one of the main soldiers of Jericho. You're sitting up there at the wall. You're already kind of trembling because you've heard about this God that's leading his people. So you really don't know how to respond, but you're a pretty brave dude. You're ready to take on an enemy. You're willing to fight till death with this. That's just who you are. And you see the enemy coming towards you, but you see a big portion of priests here with them. Yes, they've got an armed guard before them and an armed guard after them, but they're not saying anything. How do these armies normally do? And clanging of the swords and shields and just, again, causing terror and fear in the enemy as they're going. No, these guys are quiet. But all of a sudden, but all you're hearing is all these horns going on, seven of them. And you're scratching your head. You got to figure this, this doesn't make any sense. Jericho was a big city. It probably took them quite a while to march around that city. They marched around it, and they went home. And you're scratching your head, thinking, what is the deal here? You're probably even laughing at this point in time, wondering, who are these crazy people? That's no way to fight a battle. 
The next morning, you and your buddies get up and say, well, I don't know what's going on. Look, they're coming again. Maybe it's this time they're gonna charge. And the second day, they come, and all the soldiers and all the people are quiet, except for seven horns from seven priests blowing as they go around. This time, you're kind of wondering, well, this is the exact same thing that they did yesterday. Music. And you're wondering what in the world is going on. And so these priests, the people, the trumpets, all of these things going on and moving along and they just circle again the second day and go home. The third day, the same. The fourth day, the same. Fifth day, the same. The sixth day, the same. Seventh day, here they come again. This is really getting monotonous. But now as they're blowing these horns, We see down in verse 16, the seventh time it happened when the priest blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction, it and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who are in her house. And again, down in verse 18, and you by all means abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver, the gold, and the vessels of bronze and irons are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpets, and the people shouted with great shout, the walls fell flat. The wall fell flat. And at that point in time, they were able to rush in, totally defeat and annihilate Jericho, not taking anything of Jericho except those things that were consecrated to the Lord that were gonna come into the treasury of the Lord, oh, except for one little situation. In verse seven, we read of Achan, the son of Camri, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Let's see, it was repentance, obedience, faithfulness. No repentance in Achan's life. No obedience, no faithfulness. The Lord's anger burned against the children of Israel. But here we have this small city now next to Jericho. Certainly we can go and take Ai because Joshua and the rest of the camp completely unaware of Ai taking these things from Jericho. As a matter of fact, Joshua sent some men over to Ai and say, hey, go see what we need. They came back saying, we don't need to bring everybody. Just send up about 3,000 men. We ought to be able to take it pretty easy. The people of Ai are a few. And about 3,000 men, verse four, 3,000 men went up from there, from the people, and then they fled before the men of Ai. The men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them down on the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people, the hearts of who? Which people? Not of Ai. Now the Israelites. 
Now the heart of the Israelites melted and were like water. That's what the hearts of the people of Jericho were like when the Israelites came through. Now Israel has been defeated by a much smaller city than Jericho was. One they figured they had absolutely no problem. And when, Je- when Joshua finds of the defeat, again, he falls on his face. Alas, Lord God, down in verse seven. He and the elders of of Israel put dust on their heads. Joshua says, alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over to the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Now, wait a second, folks. We should have stayed in Egypt. Remember that story when they were over in the wilderness? Remember the ones, hey, it was better for us back in Egypt. Have you brought us out into the wilderness to die? And who's saying this? Joshua, the leader. That's the reason God continually told Joshua, Joshua, you gotta be strong. You gotta be of good courage. Yeah, Joshua had the faith. He knew that they could make it, but now he's faced a pretty major defeat and he's allowing himself to be sucked in to the circumstances that surround him and he doesn't understand the fullness of those circumstances. And beloved, this is a lesson for every one of us in this, that we can be sucked down so far because of the circumstances that surround us because we don't understand the circumstances that surround us. Now, in this particular case, we know there was sin in the camp. That's not always a situation of events that come against you and I. There may be a whole host of things. But beloved, when we are sucked down by circumstances, rather than standing in the midst of our circumstances and still looking up and saying, you know, but my God is faithful. My God is faithful. He will fulfill his promises. AI had struck them down. Their hearts were like water. So I had to find out, man, what's going on? Joshua cries out. I love the Lord's answer to Joshua. Look down at verse 10. Verse 10. So the Lord says to Joshua, get up. Get up. Why are you lying on your face? Israel has sinned. Joshua, there's a reason this has taken place. There's a reason these things are going on. Israel has sinned. They've transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. They've taken of the accursed things. And so Joshua has to go through a whole process of, again, we're gonna go by tribe, we're gonna go by section, by families, and from the families, we're gonna go to household, from the household, we're gonna go down man by man. That's in verse 13 and 14 there. In verse 15, then it shall be when he was taken with the accursed thing, uh, man, once we find out, he's gonna be burned with fire. He and all that he has because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord because he has done a disgraceful thing. Now we know, you and I know this side, we know that it's Achan that has done this thing. But look at what's going on here, verse 16. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes. I want a representative from every tribe. Number one, Achan is there. He knows he's sinned. 
He knows that the people died because of his sin. He knows that Joshua is going to go tribe by tribe, family by family, household by household. And he doesn't say a thing, not a thing. He sees the consequences of his sin being played out and he doesn't own up to it. There's no repentance here. Joshua arose that morning, went by tribe. Tribe of Judah was taken, went through the clan of Judah, took the family of the Zarhites. He brought the family of the Zarhites man by man and Zabdi was taken. He's of the family. Then he brought his household man by man and Achan, the son of Canaan. How many times did Achan have to repent? Multiple times. Even at the very beginning when they were defeated at Ai, to come before Joshua did anything, when Joshua and all the elders were on their faces covering themselves with dust and having a pity party, Achan could have said, you know what, guys, I'm gonna own up to my sin. I stole that thing that God said not to. And I've hid it in my tent. Look at what he says once he is finally taken. Down in verse 19. Joshua said to Achan, my son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel. Make confession to him and tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. At this point in time, Joshua doesn't know what is done, but he knows, well, the Lord had taken, told him somebody has taken this thing, but he doesn't know all the ins and outs of it. Achan answered in verse 20, indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I've done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, let me ask you, where is he gonna wear that garment? I mean, really? Is he gonna wait like three or four days and then go cruising through with this thing? It's buried. He can't tell anybody about it. Oh, by the way, I also took 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. You've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Where did you get all this finances? He says, I coveted them and I took them and they are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver underneath it. Joshua sent messengers, they found it. Down in verse 24, Joshua and all of Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garments, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua says, why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones and they burned him with fire after they had stoned him with stones. He says, I coveted them, desired something that God said you cannot have yet. That's one of the things that we need to understand. You cannot have this yet. And beloved, that, that speaks to the generation that we have right now and, we, and that has probably been around uh, now for a couple of generations. We've got microwaves, fast foods, automatic, uh, electronic, anything and everything as quick as we want it, whenever we want it. I've got, I don't know how many credit cards in my pocket. I don't need to worry about having the cash. I'll pay for it later, kind of an attitude of mentality in the world today. And the problem is, is that moves over then also into our spiritual lives. You think this is just Aiken's problem? No, it's mankind's problem. When we covet something that God says, you know, I'm gonna bless you. 
My blessings are yours. I'm going to pour out my blessings. Man, I'm going to pour, open up heaven for you. I'm going to pour out my blessings for you. But you know what? You've got to have a heart of repentance. You've got to be obedient. And you've got to be faithful. Surprisingly and sadly, too many followers of Jesus are Bible illiterate. They know a few basic names or facts, but the abundance of truth and love inside this great text is getting lost. This is why Pastor David feels it's necessary to take some time to work through the Bible in this series, and we're so glad you've joined us here on The Open Word for it. Each time you tune in, Pastor David will be giving you an accurate and succinct dialogue of a book of Scripture, pointing out the key passages and truths that everyone needs to be aware of. If you missed any part of today's message or any part of this series, we encourage you to visit our website. You'll be able to listen again at theopenword.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, and please feel free to share these teachings with your friends and family. Everyone can benefit from this Through the Bible series. Are you in the Casa Grande area? If so... Pastor David has an invitation to extend to you. Every message you hear on The Open Word is one that I shared here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande, a great church where I enjoy my role as senior pastor. I'd love to see your face next time I get up to teach, and I'd really enjoy meeting you afterward. Please consider coming on out and joining us this weekend. You'll be able to find all the information you need at theopenword.com. Just click the Calvary Chapel link at the bottom of the page See you there. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all for today. But join us next time to continue through the Bible here on The Open Word. Make us more.